congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our question of this afternoon, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit, is very familiar to us. We have probably have read it many, many times. Many of our young people have to memorize that question and answer. But it is a very important question. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? The emphasis on you. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? And there are some answers given to these questions which are just not true. Not every answer to this question is true. Some say that the Holy Spirit is not really a person in the Trinity, but only a divine force by which God performs his will, thereby denying the Trinity. And others are more blunt about it. They just blatantly deny the Trinity and claim that the Holy Spirit is an other way in which God shows himself. Call it modalism. God shows himself in different modes. He shows himself as the Father. He shows himself as the Son. There's another mode. And the third mode is he shows himself as the Holy Spirit. But it's only one God. So they also deny the Trinity and, by, and thereby the only God there is. Really. So none of those answers are good. It's also important that we are able to answer this question, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit, in a biblical way, because especially from Pentecostal side, we, the Reformed believers, are accused that we neglect the Holy Spirit and his work, and therefore also in the worship of God. So we need to have the answer right. So just imagine that during this coming week, you're walking somewhere on the street, or you're at your work, or, or wherever, and someone walks up to you and, and knows that you're a person who goes to church, and is, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit now? Put the answer. Of course you all know what you believe about the Holy Spirit, but to just formulate an answer right there and there, that, that, is, that is accurate and that's good, it's difficult. But, you will agree with me, we should be able, all of us, to give that answer. With this, our catechism is a great help, because in, in that very short answer, it it really summarizes everything you have to know about the Holy Spirit. The Catechism does not give a very deep, learned theological answer. Books have been written about that, but the Catechism, just a short answer. Because the Catechism speaks to us, not to theologians in the first place, but to us. What the Catechism does, it does perfectly state what we people, the people who belong with body and soul, both in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, we who love the Lord Jesus Christ, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, and even more, 
it states what the Holy Spirit means to us as God's children. And so we will look at the answer of our catechism upon that question. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit under the theme? God, the Holy Spirit is God and he is given to us. And, and then we, we look at three things. First of all, that he is God. And then second, that he is God's gift to us. And then lastly, that he works in us. So first, the Holy Spirit is God. That's what our answer begins with. That's, that first, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God, And like I already said in the Nicene Creed, the Nicene Creed calls the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life. And only one who is, the only one who is able to be the Lord and giver of life is God. The Holy Spirit is God, together with the Father and the Son. He's a person. He. We should probably said that before, we should never speak about the Holy Spirit as it. He's a person. And the Bible uses the masculine uh, for, for the gender for the, for, the, for the Holy Spirit. He's a person. When God on the third day said, let the, the third day of creation said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land to bear fruit with its seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was God, the Holy Spirit, who gave these plants life. Same on the fifth and the sixth days, when all the fish of the sea and the birds of the air And all the livestock and all the creatures that move along the ground and all wild animals and whatever lived, it received life from God the Holy Spirit. He is the Lord and giver of life. Without him, even now, there is no life. Without God the Holy Spirit, there is no season of spring. Because it is in the spring that dead grass turns green again and the flowers bloom and trees that have been leafless and lifeless turning green and grow their uncountable leaves to give shelter to birds and, and, shade, and shade to men that's the work of the Holy Spirit and we know that from the Bible Psalm 104 in verse 30 says to the Lord when you sent your spirit they are created you renew the face of the earth. Without God the Holy Spirit, there is no new life among man and beast, for he is the giver of life. That's also very evident in the account of the creation of Adam. God formed, and we all know the story, God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. And then we read that God breathed into his nostrils the bread of life, and so man became a living being. And the thing is that the Hebrew word, which is translated correctly also, translated with breath, is the word ruach. 
Dat is de Hebrew woord, ruach. En het means breath, wind, but also spirit. En zo we mee ondersteunen dat God breathed his spirit, his holy spirit, that life-giving spirit into Adam's nostrils, and so Adam became a living being. Filled with this spirit, Adam was also perfectly able to perform the task that God would give him. Holy Spirit is God. It's also clear from what we read in Acts 5, verse 3. There is the story about Ananias and Sapphira. And then the Apostle Peter says to Ananias, after Ananias had been lying about his gift to the church, and then the Apostle Peter says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And he goes right on, and in verse 4, what makes you think of doing such thing? You have lied not to man, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now this Holy Spirit, this person, and the Trinity, so teaches our catechism, is also given to us. And we look at that in our second point. He is God's gift to us. Now it is of course true that the Holy Spirit is at Pentecost poured out upon the church. But that's not what the catechism means this, this afternoon. That's not what the catechism means in its answer. So before we go into what our catechism means, with saying that he is also given to me, let's briefly look at the meaning of what happened at Pentecost. Because something different was going on there. Because you could say that with Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit came upon Christ's church. Yes. It came upon Christ's church in the same way in which he so read so often in the Old Testament that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, came upon men such as Moses, upon Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. Remember kids, every time that Samson does something that's with his superhuman strength, and said the Spirit of God came upon him, and then he lifted the gates out of the wall of the, of the city and he threw them in the mountain, you know, and... Do you read about a lot of people in the Bible? Like, like I said, Moses, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, King Saul, King David, prophets such as Ezekiel and Micah. And let's not forget the Lord Jesus Christ when he was baptized. Upon all came the Holy Spirit in a special way in order to enable them to perform their special task for which that the Lord had given them. At times they were, humanly speaking, impossible tasks, or at times they were very difficult tasks, or painful tasks, and even shameful tasks. But the Holy Spirit enabled them to do these mighty works of God. And that's what happened on Pentecost. That's why the Lord Jesus said in Luke 24 to his disciples, he said, a repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached to all nations from Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. In other words, you are going to do that. And then he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. 
So stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then, when on the day of Pentecost the Spirit was poured out upon the church, the people of many nations heard the disciples, its members, although they were simple Galilean men, declaring the mighty work of God in many languages, in all the different tongues. Holy Spirit, in a special way, came upon those disciples, upon the New Testament church, to enable them to go out in all of the world and preach the gospel to all nations in all languages. That's what happened on Pentecost. And so it has gone on. The Holy Spirit stayed with the church and enabled it, and still does enable it, to do that mighty work of God of preaching the gospel all over the world. And through that preaching, the Holy Spirit continues to give new life to people that are dead in sin and to turn stony hearts into hearts of flesh. And turns enemies into servants of God. That's what happened on Pentecost. But as I said, our Catechism does not speak about Pentecost, but about the fact that the Holy Spirit is also given to me personally. Not only to other believers, but also to me. Now, when is it that the Holy Spirit is given? To you, to me, to all believers. To all whose only comfort it is that they belong to Jesus Christ. Well, the Holy Spirit was given to you and me, brothers and sisters, at that very moment we became from being dead in sin. And being dead in sin means that you're a sinner and you don't realize it and you don't care and you just live your life and that's all there is. Right? And then the Holy Spirit begins to, to work. It makes, makes a person alive to the Lord, towards the Lord. That's the moment that the person is born again. The moment that we discovered ourselves to be sinners. And that we discovered Jesus Christ to be our Savior. That's the moment. This is the time that the Holy Spirit... It's been given to you. And so you can see that also in this way, the Holy Spirit is truly the Lord and giver of life. God the Father loved you so much that he gave his only begotten Son. And, and God the Son loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And now both of them, God the Father and God the Son, love you so much that they gave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit loves you so much that he, remember, he is truly God, a person in the Trinity, holy and majestic and all those things. And he loves you so much that he wants to dwell in you. Now isn't that an awesome thought? The almighty, majestic and holy triune God, that he so loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. He, he let himself to be poured out upon the church. And he let himself be given to you. Just think about it. God the Holy Spirit. Who is from all eternity God. Given to you sinners. Dwelling in you. Every day. Every moment. Every night. 24-7. 20, it's unbelievable. 
Even to us sinners. Well, the Holy Spirit was given to Adam in a special way, so that Adam was truly in God's image, in true righteousness and holiness. And in Adam was therefore also able to perform that mighty work of God, to rule over all that God had created. And we all know how it went. Adam disobeyed the Lord. And so Adam and we, all his offspring, became subject to physical, spiritual, even to eternal death. That happened, that's what we did. But the Lord laughed. God laughed. He so loved that he gave his only begotten son and the, and the son laughed too and he died for us. He died in our behalf that eternal spiritual and, 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 and physical death. He did it on behalf of all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now God the Father and God the Son Give the Holy Spirit, that life-giving Spirit, to all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. To all those who from the heart confess that their only comfort in life and in death is that they belong to Him. Father and the Son, they gave the Holy Spirit to them to stay with them forever. That's what... We read in our scripture reading in John 14, verse 6. The Lord Jesus said it. I will ask the Father and he will give you an other helper to be with you forever. Look more into that a little bit later. And that means that the spirit is given to us is that we are spiritually alive again. And able to perform the mighty work of God of fighting sin in our lives. Striving for God's glory in our lives and for his honor. And by being Christ's witnesses to others. Holy Spirit enables us to do this. Think about it. All of us. We belong to Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit enables you. Have given you everything you need to be a witness about Christ to others. And don't check if you're quenching the Holy Spirit a little bit. How much are we witnessing? How much are we using that gift? Not enough, maybe. Huh? Maybe not. It's terrible, but that's who we are. So, is it, but nevertheless, is it not awesome that little phrase in the answer to our question of this afternoon, he is also given to me. Is it not totally wonderful that we, at the end of the day, in which we sinned time and again, in which we did not give God the glory as we should have, a day in which we tried to live according to God's commandment but failed, a day in which so many of the thoughts of our hearts were unholy, and still we may confess that the Holy Spirit is also given to me and lives in me forever. Is it not just mind-boggling and, and, and marvelous 
that we may know that God the Holy Spirit wants to be in us. And that we may trust that in spite of our weakness towards sin and all our fail, failed attempts to clean up our lives, all our struggles to resist temptations, one day this Holy Spirit remaining with us will present us faultless before the throne of God. He will present us before the throne of God as prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's how the Bible tells us. See, a thing like that, that is something no creature can do. That only God can do. God the Holy Spirit. And he does it in us. Awesome. So, we may with unwavering hope and with abundant, abundant joy confess, the Holy Spirit is also given to me. mighty and a wonderful thing to confess but we may say it because from the heart we confess that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can only truthfully do through the Holy Spirit nobody can say that Jesus is Christ without the Holy Spirit the Bible says Holy Spirit he is God's gift to us and he does his divine work in us, as we now look, in our, look at in our third point. Holy Spirit works in us. So what does the Holy Spirit do in us? The Holy Spirit makes us share in Christ and in all his benefits, it says in our catechism. Now, first of all, the Holy Spirit gives or makes us share in Christ. And he does this by giving us as the answer indicates true faith. So he makes us by true faith share in Christ. So true faith. Remember that? True faith is sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed in his word. And it is a firm confidence. It's something that's in the heart that all Christ's benefits are ours. And that faith, the Holy Spirit, works in our heart. And in that way, the Holy Spirit makes us share in Christ. And that means that the Holy Spirit convinces us in our heart, yes, that we are fallen sinners, worthy of death, even children of wrath, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit also turns our faith to Christ, and makes us believe that Christ came and suffered the punishment for our sins on our behalf. And that for Christ's sake, God declared us righteous. The Holy Spirit, by true faith, makes us know and heartily believe that Christ's suffering is our suffering. And that Christ's death is our death. We are buried with him in baptism. And number then also that his resurrection is our resurrection unto a new life. That life in which the Holy Spirit works in us. Makes us believe that Christ is fully satisfied all God's demand and obedience for us. And all God's wrath 
En dus over al deze disobedience dat hij carried. The Holy Spirit makes us believe that therefore God exalted Christ above every name and seated, name and seated him at the right hand of the throne in heaven. And it is through him that we have a place there too. Already being prepared by Christ. That is it, what, to, what, what it is to share in Christ. Yes, we deserve death. But Christ earned life for us. And we belong to Christ. We are part of Christ. We are his body, it says. So when Christ satisfied for sin, he satisfied for our sin. And that way, his death became our death. See, that's what it is. Sharing in Christ. So now the catechism goes on and teaches us that the Holy Spirit not only makes us share in Christ, but he also makes us share in all the benefits, all the blessings of Christ's work. And that means that we know and that we believe and rejoice and find comfort in this, that God the Father loves us as his beloved children, and that nothing can separate us from his love, just as nothing can separate the Lord Jesus Christ from his Father's love. And the Holy Spirit, he works hope in us. He not only teaches us that we are God's children, already now, but that the glorious future awaits us, because we are heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. The heirs of the kingdom. Holy Spirit in his work directs the eyes of our faith upon the riches we will inherit. The riches of complete freedom from sin and its curse. The riches of God's continuous favor toward us. It's coming. That you live every moment of every day knowing that God approves 100% of you. Nothing needs to be forgiven. It's one of the riches that await us. In order of those riches, of those benefits of crisis, that blessed assurance of eternal salvation, surrounded by a hostile world, the Holy Spirit reminds us that the sufferings of the, sufferings of the present time are just not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So, brothers and sisters in the Lord, do you not long for a time that you may enjoy all those riches, those benefits, to the full, completely, and undisturbed by sin? Do you long for that? It's the Holy Spirit working in you. Do you not long towards, uh, look forward to the time that you may be so close to your Savior, you see him face to face, that you may enjoy your Father's heavenly presence face to face? Something that you look forward to. The Holy Spirit is working that in you. Do you get tired of the sin and sinfulness of your own heart, that old nature? You long for the time that that too is made new. 
And do you so eagerly await the adoption, the redemption of your body? Again, the Holy Spirit works that in you. The Holy Spirit not only works in us the desire and the faith to pray to our Heavenly Father, but he also prays for, for you with, with, with groans that words cannot express. What does that mean? That means that in time of grief or anxiety, great sadness, or great excitement, you want to pray and you can't find the right words to say. The only thing that you can do is look up to heaven and sigh and cry. At the same moment, the Holy Spirit prays for you with groans. The Spirit intercedes for you according to God's will. And that's a prayer that God will never reject. Holy Spirit is also given to me. That means a lot, isn't it? The Holy Spirit gives us God's word, in which we may freely read, and, and he makes us understand it and believe it. The Holy Spirit gives that you may hear the gospel preached, and through the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. When the devil attacks you with doubts, when it becomes so hard to believe that a sinner like you can be a child of God, then... Through his word, the Holy Spirit focuses your faith upon your Savior again and again. Now, brothers and sisters, we have come to that last phrase of our answer in the Lord's Day, which tells us that the Holy Spirit will remain with us forever. Now you could ask the question, well, what about? What about if we, through our sin, grieve the Holy Spirit or quench him? Does he then still remain with us? And the answer is yes. When the Lord Jesus says forever, that means forever. He will remain with us. He will continue to make us holy, but in a way that he now will convict us of our sin. If he did something wrong, if he fallen for certain temptations... He will convict us of that. And if we then do not immediately repent, he withdraws his comfort from us. And then we begin to feel as God is so far away from us. And in such times that he withdraws his comfort from us, we will have a hard time getting ourselves to pray. And when we do, it seems that our prayers are not reaching God. And then we look for comfort, and we do not find any. We look at the most favorite Bible passages we can remember, and they don't say anything to us. And and it's with the sermons the same. You feel alone, and your heart reaches out to God. And then there comes the moment that the Holy Spirit, who remains with you, uses all that to move you to cry out to your father again, Father, I have sinned. And at that moment of repentance, of confessing our sin to the Lord, we will find ourselves a gracious and a forgiving God. But all that time, the Holy Spirit remained with you, has been working in you, and so he will remain with you. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Holy Spirit will teach, shape, and comfort you all of your life. 
He will remain with you forever. The Holy Spirit will remain with us, with you, through death. That's why the Bible teaches that your death is not really death. But it is a laying off of the corruptible flesh, so that we may be clothed with incorruptible glory. That's what happens when God's people pass away. They lay off something that corrupted them all his life. And they may take up something that is absolutely holy and glorious and can never sin again. Holy Spirit will still be with you when you appear before God's throne. And having clothed you into all those benefits of Christ, he will present you faultless before the presence of God's glory. Brothers and sisters, young people, here is the question again. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? And I'll say it with me, in your heart, but, but with all your heart. First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me, to make me, by true faith, sharing Christ and all his benefit, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. And now all that is left to say is, Amen.